0: Hi, I'm Brian Hart.
1: I'm Karen Holman.
0: And you're listening to Cool Sheets. In the coming half hour, you'll hear all about 10 things that we're currently enjoying and using in our lives.
1: Each of us has exactly two minutes to dive in and tell you about one of the things we've chosen.
0: It might be a book, an app, a gadget, a place, anything goes. At the end of
1: our two minutes,
0: boom, time's up and we go back and forth until we've shared 10 Cool Sheets with you. Cool Sheets is all about fun, interesting, and or useful things to enhance your life.
1: We broadcast from our studios in Salem, Oregon, on KMUZ Turner 88.5 and 100.7 FM, or streaming online at kmuz.org. Every Sunday from 9 to 9:30 9 a.m.
0: Our website, CoolSheets.Cool. Yes, that's CoolSheets.Cool. Has info about all the cool sheets that we list every week. If you want to find out more details about them,
1: you can also interact with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Here we go with this week's cool sheets. Hello everyone. I am Karen Holman and Brian's away, but I have a very special guest.
2: Mike Kemper.
1: Yes. Welcome, Mike. Have you ever been on Cool Sheets before?
2: As a matter of fact, I had the honor of being on the one hundredth episode back in December. So I'm very excited to be back. Yeah, to do my first full five cool sheets. Very I know. excited. Yeah.
1: yeah, on your inaugural, I guess, introduction to being on, you got to bring in one
2: only one but i came up with five yeah yeah
1: very so, cool so yeah. thank you for being here really oh, appreciate my pleasure it. i'm really
2: excited to be here thank you for asking
1: yeah you're welcome it was brian's idea i was like i need someone and he suggested you and he's like i gave you one of mine for like when i'm gone and he wants a co-host so oh. I, I kind of stole you but he willingly. i appreciate it sort of gave you to me anyway well good yeah yeah. well then maybe he'll tap me again next time it could happen you're gone so yes
2: we'll see how it goes
1: yeah (laughs) excellent okay well i get to go first this time and i'm going to start out with i knew this was going to be a cool sheet as soon as i started messing around with it and it got so distracting and so much fun and it is a dialect study and maps that go with it So the Harvard dialect study was done in 2003, and then it ended, and there are a bunch of uh, their websites that show the results of it, but there are some people at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee who are continuing these dialect studies. And so what they're doing is around the United States, they survey people, and they ask them these questions, and some of them are pretty standard things that I've heard of, like, do you call it soda or pop or fizzy water or tonic or Coke? for your carbonated beverage. And there are some pretty distinct lines and things like I grew up in Michigan and I called it pop. And when I moved to Oregon, people would give me so much crap for saying pop. They're like, what is this pop? <laughs> it's soda. Anyway, um, so they ask a lot of questions like that. And then you can look at the maps and see what people say. And it's so entertaining because some of you just don't think of like crawdads, crayfish, cray or craw, wait, crawdads, crayfish, crawfish, and just things like, oh, I didn't realize there are so many dif- different names for that. And there are pronunciations of words like aunt and aunt and stuff like that. But there are also things like, for example, um, rubbernecking, when there's an accident on the road and people are rubbernecking. And I didn't realize that there are things like gaper's block, gaper's delay, looky-loo, curiosity delay gawk block is one of my favorites on that. And then you also have the option of just saying, I have no word for this. <laughs> um, what do you call the night before Halloween? There's names for this mischief night, cabbage night, goosey night. I, I don't know. Never heard of these. This one's pretty great though. What do you call a drive through liquor store? Brew through, party barn, bootlegger, beer barn, beverage barn. I have never heard of such a thing. Says of the people in the United States. Anyway, it's very fun because I love maps and weird things. So this is the dialect studies and maps.
2: Awesome. I think I'll have to take a little... Oh, yeah. I'll have to give that a looky-loo. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes. I thought you might like that
2: one. I do like that one. It's kooky. I like kooky things. Kooky kooky's good. (laughs) It is interesting how the different dialects wherever you go. When I was in the Air Force and you meet people from all over the United States, and that's my first introduction to people having different phrases and terminology for things that I'd never heard before. And then they look at you like you're just crazy because you don't know this. This is common knowledge.
1: Oh, right. I know. And, um, and you – yeah, sometimes you have no idea what they're talking about, which makes it even better.
2: I like it. Exactly. Okay. So my first cool sheet is a movie. The Quiet One, it's a documentary that was just released on June 21st. Uh, this is a movie uh, about uh, – it looks at the life of Bill Wyman, the original bassist for The Rolling Stones. Uh, He was the stone-faced musician who stood in one place on the stage and never smiled, and he was often referred to as the quiet one, hence the name of the movie. Uh, He was the unofficial historian of the band, and over the years he has amassed this ginormous archive of rare photos, films, and assorted memorabilia, and that's featured in the movie as well, too. Going back to their earliest days at the Marquee Club in London up until the Steel Wheels tour in 1989. So in 2014, uh, Bill decided to turn all of this archival footage over to filmmaker Oliver Murray. And he went through and Bill pretty much narrates uh, the whole movie from his archive room. And then uh, it's interspersed with interviews, but it looks back on uh, the really early days of the Rolling Stones, his life growing up during World War II, as he is the oldest member of the band, Uh, his original band, the Cliftons, and a lot of his post-Rolling Stones career with Bill Wyman's Rhythm Kings. So as a Stones fan, I was really impressed with how much footage I had never seen before. It's amazing. Uh, especially the early days when the band was just getting mobbed by teenage fans and they're ripping out seats in theaters and throwing them on stage and things like I'd never seen before. And there's even a photo of Bill Wyman and Mick Jagger bowling on their first U.S. tour. (laughs) I could never imagine Mick Jagger bowling, but there it is in black and white for everyone to see. Uh, It is a must-see movie. For Rolling Stones fans, and I think it would also be enjoyable for anyone who is a fan of rock and roll. Uh, Currently, the movie is available on Amazon Prime, and I don't know if they're going to be bringing that to Salem Cinema or not, but uh, I would definitely go and see it if it were. So check it out, The Quiet One.
1: That sounds awesome. Oh, my God. And... um. A, I love it when it's you don't have to be like a Bill Wyman fan or, or a whatever fan of you, something about someone.
2: You really don't uh, because there's all these other musicians that are in the band mm-hmm. and I learned things about him that I had never known. And it was kind of heartbreaking. At one point he's with his wife and they're interviewing him and he went to uh, a Ray Charles concert who was his his biggest musical idol. And they invited him backstage. He spent 30 minutes with Ray Charles. He was just enthralled. And Ray asked him to play on his upcoming album. And he just said, no, I'm not good enough. I can't play on your album. And I was just Whoa. blown away that he said that. And that's one of his biggest regrets in life. Oh. Can you imagine? No. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm just going to sit with that for a minute.
1: Well, I can't because I got to do my next cool sheet. Yeah. That's pretty great. Okay. uh, My next cool sheet, I'm going to be talking about a podcast. And this is one of the many projects of the Night Vale people. So they make so many things. So Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner are the... Masterminds behind um, Welcome to Night Vale podcast, which is kind of like this radio drama that they also do live. I've seen them many times at this point. Um, And this is a really great podcast. It's all about helping writers. So that's their thing. It's not this is not a storyline at all. And they're just trying to um, create a platform for people to listen and learn and and actually engage. So they have a community that goes along with it, too. And so these people have many years' experience um, not just writing these radio dramas but also books and just working together, collaborating, and um, theater stuff, et cetera. And so what they do is they'll they'll choose something like a topic – Um, This one helped me the most just called feedback. And that is getting feedback. So you're a writer or you're a creator of some kind. And how do you get feedback from other people? And so they give advice on you being the creator getting feedback. They also give you advice if you are someone that is asked for feedback of the best way to do that. And so I'm I guess well, I guess I write music, but um as a teacher is where I learned the most about this, where I'm giving feedback to my students, and I can also imagine really in any workplace that you could listen to this and and learn about how to give feedback to your coworkers or to your subordinates. I hate that word, but anyway, um so I would say this called Start with this that is the meaning why they chose that word, that title for this podcast is. That you have writer's block and it's like, how do I start? Okay, start with this, and so it's all about writing in a way, but it's also not. It's to help you with any kind of endeavor, and they always give you an assignment at the end. So they give these they, these are things to do that are really outside of the box, and so it's really cool comp. <clears throat> excuse me, really cool podcast. I've been enjoying a lot of listened to a lot of episodes. Start with this. Shoo shoo. Nicely done. Listen to that shoo shoo.
2: (laughs) Dang. I'm glad you didn't shoo shoo my shoo shoo. I didn't. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) That sounds very interesting. And that would be very helpful, I think, in the work environment, particularly when you work with a lot of people. That Mm -hmm. could be a very diplomatic thing to learn. Yeah, for Uh, sure. And I'm sure a lot of people could use that so
1: <laughs> yeah that particular episode for sure well and you know what another uh, episode i just listened to yesterday was about collaboration like how do you work together and well of course that's working together so wow i'm gonna yeah n- the next episodes i'm gonna listen to with a different slant on like oh hmm. this
2: could really work in any kind of environment that sounds really interesting so, anyway. i'm definitely gonna have to check that out okay My next cool sheet is also a podcast, The Smartest Man in the World podcast by comedian Greg Proops. So most people know Greg Proops from his work on Whose Line Is It Anyway? Uh, He's the the guy with kind of pompadour and glasses. He's always wearing a suit. He's a stand-up comedian by trade, but he also does a live podcast called The Smartest Man in the World, or rather, as he calls it, a vodcast for his penchant for drinking vodka. Uh, the title's very tongue-in-cheek. He doesn't really think he is the smartest man in the world, although he does know an awful lot on a variety of subjects. Uh, in each episode, it's it's unique, uh, comprised basically of the town of wherever he's at that he's doing it. So he'll be in front of a live audience, and he doesn't do a stand-up routine, which he also has stand-up dates, but the podcasts are different. So he'll riff on his own personal experiences and show business, people he's worked with, and he's not afraid to disparage people that (laughs) are not very good to work with. And he likes to talk about his adolescent years, growing up in the Bay Area, or commenting on things that have recently happened to him. And so his background in improv really works in the setting of this podcast. So he'll start on a particular subject or rant, depending on the mood that he's in. And it can take some hilarious turns and go in just strange directions. And what's even more amazing is that Greg is an avid stoner. And he drinks on stage. And he can go so far off track. But he always has the ability to get back to the original Train of thought. And I'm always amazed that he can do that. I don't know many people that can. Um, And so he's about, he's a little bit older than I am. So most of his pop culture references, they're from my generation, but he does tend to keep up with, you know, current and more and newer trends. But um, he uh, will make fun of the city where he's hosting the podcast, you know, when he starts out, for example, one of the Portland shows. Uh, he talks about uh, how he perceives the Portland fan who is a, a vegan that rode their fixed brake bike to the gig with their rescue dog named Cobain, and you know he just kind of makes pokes fun at people eating their voodoo donuts, and so he kind of brings the local flavor into it. Uh, and, but Greg is a staunch liberal and a feminist, so this podcast may not be for everyone. But I find it hysterical. Uh, and also, before each podcast, Greg goes out into the crowd and he personally meets with everybody in the audience and gets to know just a little bit about him. And they usually shower him with gifts and which he'll talk about on the podcast. But anyway, it's good fun. Check out Greg Proop's Smartest Man in the world podcast..
1: Man, I swear people who are, if they are comedians, really good at improv, they could do any podcast. They're just so good on on any subject because they bring in that humor. It's so great.
2: Yeah, and he talked about early on doing the podcast, people like, oh, you need to do a podcast. You need to do a podcast. He's like, what? what is a podcast? <laughs> and I think it's really elevated his – Uh, his status since he's been doing it because uh he has an avid following so if he comes to the Helium Comedy Club you have to jump on those tickets right away and you're there and is this your first no I've been to three of these and so wow he has a big following it's a lot of fun
1: cool yeah very cool Awesome, yeah! Podcasts, there's so many, so it's, many, know. but but they're so great, and I I still am able to mostly consume the ones I want to try, but then I always get introduced to new there's ones. ones yeah. Like, ah. <laughs> uh, okay. All right, my next cool sheet. So. This one is a video and it is about supplements and the title of the video six supplements that might actually help you and this is on a YouTube channel that is a former Cool Sheet Sci Show with Hank Green and this one I've been meaning to talk about for a while because There's so many supplements out there. There's so many and of every kind and people, uh, you know, feel like they know a lot about them and tout how well they work for various things. And the thing I like about this is Hank Green will stand behind. He's a scientist and he will do his research and he has an army of people that will also do the research of all the background reading on these things, and then they, they've they honed it in of, I mean, you think of there's hundreds of supplements, and they honed it into six that actually have scientific backing. But I also love that he gives caveats with all of these as well. And so the the six that they have, the ones that are, um, I guess I only have a couple written down here, but anyway, creatine, and, and again, this is just for specific things. Um, beet juice sounds pretty awesome. I I kind of knew that, but um, there's some extra things about it that I learned. Melatonin, of course, with um, sleeping things. But again, he he talks about the studies and that they are not – it's not across the board that melatonin works for insomnia and so explains that. But there are some cases where it could work. Um, but the one that really hit me the most was St. John's wort. And so I guess this is one of the oldest supplements known to mankind, at least that's uh, documented And this can be used to help with depression. And I'm going to say more light depression. I'm not serious. And across the board, all of the clinical studies that have been done have shown that it does work better than placebo. And that they have also studied how it works. And it works in almost the same way that actual antidepressant drugs work. But again... He goes through a slew of you should not use it with this. You should not use it if you're, you know, going through this. Um, And also you need to talk to your doctor, of course. It was super interesting just learning about these like, oh, okay, these are ones that I might be able to actually kind of trust. So again, this is a YouTube video, six supplements that might actually help you
2: that sounds very interesting
1: yeah and and Hank Green is just so have you are you familiar with Hank no I'm not okay yeah he's just boom 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 really fast hard-hitting like you get a lot of information in a short amount of time so um, yeah he's pretty great he's one of
2: my heroes awesome how long is the video
1: Oh gosh, it's probably eight minutes long. Oh, that's wow. Ten minutes or something.
2: You're right. He is just oh didn't yeah. Get to it. Oh yes. Okay, yeah. Yes. Who can't afford ten minutes?
1: Yeah. Um. SciShow. So science show. SciShow is. Is all about. I mean, <laughs> they know they being Hank Green. Are you familiar with John Green?
2: I've Fault just recently. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay. okay.
1: Okay. Okay. They're brothers. Okay. And they, they. They have another
2: podcast too, don't they?
1: They've, yeah. Vlog Brothers, and they they've done tons of things together, yeah. and um, they play off each other a lot. They're both super. I successful. was
2: just hearing about that this morning. What? Yeah. That's think, a trip. Yeah.
1: Anyway, uh, yeah, so he, they all know that this generation, whatever, that people um, don't have a lot of time and they don't have a long attention span. So true. Yeah. So <laughs> Hank is very good at being concise.
2: Awesome. Yeah. Okay. My next cool sheet is a book by Gavin Edwards titled The Tao of Bill Murray, Real Life Stories of Joy, Enlightenment, and Party Crashing. Uh, it's a great book. It, uh, it starts out, he gives a brief history of Bill's upbringing, his early years in comedy. He started out at Second City through Saturday Night Live, going into movies. But it's about 36 pages or so. But uh, the real joy of this book is just reading what an everyman Bill Murray is and just what kind of a kooky guy he is. So anyway, stories started to circulate years ago about Bill's antics. For example, uh, Bill would walk up behind someone on a sidewalk in New York City, put his hands over their eyes and whisper in their ear, no one is ever going to believe you. And then look them in the eye and then the startled person looks at him and he just walks away off into the – you know. and so then this person is left with this, you won't believe what happened to me. Uh, So the book is full of stories uh, like this and it's broken into the Ten Principles of Bill – And each is uh, sort of a nod to a particular uh, Bill Murray uh, lifestyle that's been observed. For example, the third principle, invite yourself to the party. Uh, That's a good example. It tells stories of Bill dropping in on weddings or bachelor parties or sporting events. Sometimes he's invited. Sometimes he just shows up it talks about uh him i think it was in new york again there was a kickball game going on and he just asked to come in and nobody recognized him at first until he was rounding first heading for second and people were like oh my god that's that's bill murray you know (laughs) and then he posed for photos and then he just vanished uh so It also covers – oh, what are some of the other principles? Uh, Music makes the people come together. That's the fifth principle. Uh, Know your pleasures and their parameters. That's the eighth principle. Uh, It's just full of stories. He went to South by Southwest. The bartender – or the owner recognized him and told one of the bartenders, ask Bill if he wants to pour drinks. And they're like, I'm not going to ask him. He goes, no, go ask him. And they ask him. He's like, yeah, sure. So then the bar gets crowded. Everybody wants a drink from Bill Murray. So he's listening very intently to their their request. And then he just pours him a shot of Hornitos. And nobody cares because it's freaking Bill Murray, right? Uh, anyway, it's an absolutely fun read. And I would highly recommend this to anyone.
1: Oh, that sounds like a blast. And, you know, it's funny because it's like, you know, with famous people... Um, sometimes it's like, oh, he got away with that just because he's famous. But it sounds like what Bill's like, hey, I'm famous. I may as well do all this stuff. You know, <laughs> it's
2: just like, great. Yeah. And he he seems to have no pretension.
1: Yes. And, right.
2: And he seems a lot of times he can be heartfelt. He can be flippant at the same time. Mm-hmm. But uh, in one uh, excerpt, they were talking about there was a bachelor party and they kept inviting, inviting and he kept turning him down. And then finally... At the end, he comes in and he he asks everybody in the room, so the bride-to-be, is she 100%? Well, come on, you know. <laughs> everybody agrees. So then he gives everybody his own little take on
0: uh-huh. to the
2: bachelors, yeah. you know, about finding the right person and just mm-hmm. kind of some heartfelt advice. That's <laughs> but, awesome. Yeah. It's, it's a fun book.
1: Very uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like Bill Murray. He's he's one of those um, actors that's been around my entire life. Like I, you know, remember watching. Wait, he w- was he in the earliest um, versions of of uh, Saturday Night Live? He
2: started in the second season when Chevy okay. Chase left. So yeah, the really early years. Yeah. You know, with his yeah. lounge singer. Oh,
1: lounge singer! I was uh, going to say Winters. Star Wars. There's nothing but Star, Star. Wars. Oh. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. All right. Next up on my list, and I think you have one of these too, I'm going to be talking about a location. And I'm going to be talking about Tofino, British Columbia. This is on the west coast of Vancouver Island in Canada, which alone trips me out. Vancouver Island dips down and there are are many parts of vancouver island that are south of parts of the united states and i still i don't know why i have this vision in my head that the united states canada border has to be horizontal but whatever um anyway it is gorgeous so it is right up against this national park and the friend i went with i I just visited recently she's been to norway and we were there and she was looking around going Oh I don't need to go to Norway anymore this is looks like Norway, and so these really tall mountains that then jet down and then go into the water and this blue sea so we are this is along the Pacific um and so just uh, blue waters and little islands and inlets and um, and this cute little town and it's super surf oriented. So, you know, very cold, but people are totally into it. So they've got their wetsuits and there's a surf culture there. I don't surf, but I just love surf culture. And so, and I think it's more the, the outdoorsy feel. So everyone is either surfing at the places where there's big waves or they're paddleboarding, or they're kayaking and all that stuff. I just love so much. And there's also tons of hiking around there. But hey, if you are like, no, I'm not into the outdoors, I just want to sit around and eat good food, you have come to the right place because we had, there was a day where every single thing we ate was exquisite. We were just looking at each other going, what just happened with my taste buds? There was a taco truck that blew our minds. There was a fancy restaurant we went to, everything in between. Um, I just love this place. Tofino, British Columbia. Shoo,
2: shoo. Yeah. yeah, that sounds amazing. I'll definitely have to put that on my list of destinations.
1: Yeah, well, everywhere in British Columbia really is gorgeous, but this one really stood out.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. Laura just came back from Vancouver. Nice. Yeah. Yes, Vancouver is an amazing city. Love yeah. it. I was up there in January and it was beautiful. So. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. Even in
2: January, it was mm-hmm. unusually sunny. Oh, a interesting. Of the when we were up there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I love that place.
1: Victoria, BC, another awesome city.
2: I hear that. I have not been, but.
1: Yeah. Small. I mean, way smaller than Vancouver, but um, yeah, really yeah. great.
2: Awesome. Yeah. Well, speaking of places, my next cool sheet is a place as well. too. I'm talking about Memphis, Tennessee. I spent a lot of time in Memphis in the late 80s. And I recently made a return visit uh, last year in September. Uh, So first of all, if you're going to spend any time in Memphis, you simply must get barbecue. So we ate at the Rendezvous several times. It's a really old school barbecue place. They have anything you could possibly want. Very good. There's Sun Records. Uh, It's not very big, but it is so packed with history. And you get to actually stand in the very studio where Elvis recorded his early hits like That's All Right Mama, Mystery Train, Just Because, and Good Rockin'. And you can just kind of feel that whole vibe of it's just really old. Everything it's, it's, it was nothing much. And it still isn't much, but it's just so much history there. Uh, and then there's the Stax Records Museum. Oh, man, I love Stax. So many great artists recorded at Stacks. Sam and Dave, Booker T and the MGs, Isaac Hayes. You get to see Booker T's Hammond B3 organ and Steve Cropper's Telecaster. They even have Isaac Hayes. 1972 custom Cadillac, all tricked out with 24-karat gold trim, mink carpeting, and custom wheels. And it's on this rotating platform with the doors open, so you can just take it it all in. And there's even like a soul train dance floor where you can dance to um, Stax tunes. You know, it's so cool. And then, of course, Graceland. Everybody has to make their pilgrimage to Graceland, Elvis' home. Uh, It's now uh, just a sprawling complex. Uh, You can tour his home, Graceland, uh, plus the the Lisa Marie jet, one of his tour buses. There's an entire building just dedicated to his automobiles, motorcycles, and boats, and one to his Hollywood years. Uh, My buddy Derek and I, we got a fried peanut butter and banana sandwich, of course, cooked in bacon grease the way Elvis would do it. And, you know, uh, surprisingly, it was not bad. I I don't think I would make it a staple, though. Uh, But the real action is on Beale Street. It's only a couple of blocks long, but it is filled with a number of clubs that offer uh, blues music every night of the week. There's a civil rights museum at the Lorraine Hotel, the site of Martin Luther King's assassination. Uh, And, of course, the iconic Peabody Hotel. You can watch the. The ducks come down off the elevator, across the red carpet, into the fountain. It's such a touristy thing now. But also there's uh, Lansky Brothers, clothiers to the king. They're at the Peabody. I got my gold sequin jacket and the replica of Elvis's wedding jacket he wore when he married uh, Priscilla. So visit Memphis, Tennessee.
1: Oh, boy. I agree with everything that has just been said. (laughs) (laughs) I have only been there once. Is that true? I feel like maybe I've been there twice. Anyway, yes, yes, and yes. Sun Records was amazing. I think that one of the things I took away from that is that you do not have to be all fancy to get a great recording.
2: No, you do not.
1: At all? At all. And then I think the biggest surprise of for the trip for me was the um, the Soul Museum, Rock and Soul Museum. Yeah. The, all the Stacks stuff. Oh, I, my gosh. I think I wasn't familiar with it. And then that's when I fell in love with it.
2: Yeah. So much great music in mm-hmm. Stacks. And it's a great story about the brother and sister that started it. And they yeah. recruited so many people just from the neighborhood. So it was a real hometown yes. uh, you know, music scene happening right there. And everybody in Memphis is always so... Unfailingly polite, the way they talk, yeah, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. If you can get past the humidity.
1: Oh uh, yes, um, yes. I've only been there in spring, so it was not bad.
2: Yeah, in yeah mid September, it was still pretty muggy. Oh uh, yeah, but right. nice. Mm-hmm. It cooled off a bit at night, but still a little bit muggy at night.
1: Yep. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, and so much history. Wonderful. Okay, um, my last cool sheet. How is that possible? Here we are at the end. Okay, my last cool sheet. Um, I'm going to talk about a human. And this is Carl Sagan. And my original idea was I was going to talk about the television series Cosmos. But once I started reading more about it, and then about him, I I was reminded of what an amazing person he was. So he, he did die in 1996, which was so sad. He was really young. He was in his 60s. It's just tragedy. Um, but in any case, this amazing astronomer, cosmologist, astrophysicist, astrobiologist, and uh, was also an author and, and science popularizer. And about Cosmos, that and this was in um, on public television. It is the most widely watched series ever in um, history of American public television and it was has been seen by 50 million people across 60 different countries. And it's one of those things that um, memories from my childhood, my family, uh, my parents and four kids, we would all like, oh, my gosh, Cosmos is on and we would all like go and watch it together. And we would actually make fun of how we said would say billions and billions of globular clusters, you know. We and we would joke about it like just in everyday life. But ah, uh, so good. But um, but this guy, this scientist, um, he was part of the the crew that. Assembled the first physical messages that were sent out into space. And um, he also was um, one of the first people to study Venus and then come up with the idea of the greenhouse effect, which of course now we are all very familiar with. Um, and he has, um, he advocated being skeptical with scientific inquiry, which is of course great. I, Wish people sometimes wouldn't be so skeptical where they don't believe what scientists have said. But um, in any case, he, his number of awards and honors he has gotten is staggering. And then, but real again, my favorite part is that he was such a brilliant physicist, but that he bridged over into um, just everyday people and that he could connect with them and, and help us understand
2: science. So, Carl Sagan. Shoo, shoo. And
1: he has so many quotes and and yeah. heartfelt things and
2: wow that it's hard to believe it was nineteen ninety six isn't it yeah amazing
1: yeah and he wrote the book Contact that was made into the movie oh, Contact yeah. with Jodie Foster and he wrote a bunch of other stuff too I think that was the best known science f- fiction novel that he wrote but
2: I yeah guess. amazing yeah. amazing guy yeah okay my last cool sheet is a local band the Ferengis. And I love these guys. The Frangies are a funk fusion neo-soul band. Um, they are Andrew Norman on keys and synthesizers, Peter Ellis on drums and bass, and Jason Plumekey on drums and bass, and Trevor Fisher on guitar. So it's unique. Um, Peter and Jason switch out between drums and bass, depending on the song. And uh, it's very cool. Uh, So anyway, Andrew, Peter, and Jason were all students at Corbin College. You know, the place where most funk fusion bands form, Corbin College. Uh, And then they later recruited Trevor to play guitar. They started out by getting together to do a tribute show of the killers at the space. And they discovered they really liked playing together. They formed the band. And the name of the band came from a friend of theirs from Ethiopia. The term Ferengi is Ethiopian slang for outsider. And the guys felt like the name really fit. So they went with that. And it didn't even dawn on them at the time that it is also the name of a group of aliens on Star Trek, The Next Generation, which is what most people mistake the name to mean. But I like the uh, original intent behind the name it makes more sense. So regardless of the name... The Frangies are an amazing band. Uh, everyone in the band is an extremely talented musician, and Trevor and Peter are both really excellent singers. They play mostly original songs, but they do some, uh, some covers. They do a killer version of Herbie Hancock's Chameleon. you got to go see him to just to hear that. And one of the things I really love about these guys is they are constantly writing. They have core songs. They do in their sets. But it seems like every time I see them, it's like, wait, is that a new song? I haven't heard that one before. And they just keep getting uh, better and better. They already have music available on iTunes, Bandcamp, and Spotify. And they will be releasing um, their new CD, The Ferengis, at the Space on July 13th. And that date also... Uh, commences their West Coast tour that will see them traveling to dates in Oregon, California, Utah, Idaho, Washington, and culminating with a stop in Vancouver, B.C. If you really dig funky fusion, jazzy-like music, you should definitely check out the frengies. Playing at a venue near you soon. Ooh,
1: thank you for talking about them. And they're also just really cool people. They
2: are amazingly cool yeah. people. They're just... Really fun, yeah. yeah.
1: And I love the origin story of their band name, and that it's it's one of those things. Like, if one of them even had been a Trekkie and had known that, they might not have chosen that name. And so that's really cool that they didn't know that.
2: Well, and they're sci-fi fans too. And oh, they are. Yeah, and they but did they not. Didn't they didn't oh. put that together at the time. And because my first thought was the Fringies. Oh, are those the aliens on Star Trek? And but then I you know read the the bio and it's like oh no okay yeah
1: well and it sounds like probably the name of that star trek alien race did come from the same place
2: i'm guessing ah, and who knows maybe that's where they got the name from themselves too so it yeah. all goes back to yes
1: Ethiopia. the ethiopian slang that's who right knows? and i love ethiopian
2: yeah <laughs> food i mean and maybe maybe the place i've never been i've never been either. yeah Cool. All
1: right. Well, thank you so much again for joining me.
2: No, thank you. Pleasure is all mine.
1: Yay. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cool Sheets. You can find out more about all the Cool Sheets we listed by going to our website, coolsheets.cool, and looking for the links.
0: That's coolsheets.cool. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave comments for us on Facebook or email us at info at coolsheets.cool. Bye.